Good morning and welcome to worship at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Connie. And I'm Danny. And we invite you to come and shelter with us in this season of gratitude and response to the great news that Christ has been raised. Let us worship God. Come on in. I'll be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy to another discernment of the spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same spirit who allots to each one individually just as the spirit chooses. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our second lesson is the telling, Luke's telling of the Pentecost story. That is the giving of the Holy Spirit. Listen again with fresh ears. I'm reading Acts 2, 1 through 13, but later on, go ahead and read through the whole rest of Peter's sermon in response to what is getting ready to happen. Listen now. For the word of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? 
Are not all these, and how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, I will not start with a show of hands of those who have ever heard in their presence saying, They are filled with new wine. That is not the point of the story. The point is, this is Pentecost. And the name itself simply means 50, Penta 50, 50 days from Easter. So we have moved in that time frame. The disciples and many Jews from around that part of the world had gathered in Jerusalem for the festival of weeks, a travel festival where they are required to come back to Jerusalem. And while they're there, and remember last week we talked about the ascension, that is Christ telling them to stay where they are in a few days because the advocate, the spirit will come and they will be baptized in spirit and in fire. And so at that time, remember, Jesus ascended, went back home to be in God, with God in God's kingdom, to sit at God's right hand. And now they are waiting. And so here it comes. They are together in one place, and the Spirit descends upon them. There seems to be some confusion. They're not sure what's happening themselves. We get this vision of a chaotic scene now being moved out of that upper room that they've been locked in for quite some time since the resurrection, outside with all of those who have gathered because others are watching and listening and hearing and seeing that something amazing is going on. And in that process, the wind fills them, a violent rushing wind. It takes us back to Genesis 1-2, the very first chapter, the very first couple of verses of the Bible, when it says that in the beginning, when the world was dark and formless, spirit, the wind, the breath of God blew over them, blew over it. Here, too, a new creation is happening through God's spirit, breath, and wind. All that same one word that is together, that Hebrew ruach, God's spirit, God's breath, God's wind. All of that is God's Holy Spirit. And it comes and it fills the place and it is strong. And then they see something like tongues of fire resting on their heads. Fire is a symbol of divine presence. There are theophanies throughout Scripture that talk about fire being the symbol of God. Whether that is Moses in the burning bush, that is 
whether it is God showing God's self to the people of Israel in the wilderness so that they may follow, two sacrifices, fire is a symbol of God's presence. And it looked to them as if tongues of fire, these small flames were on their heads. What might that have looked like? Hmm, let's take a look. This is what it looked like, just like this. They all had tongues of fire on their heads, but it became less about them and more about what God was doing in that moment, in their hearts, and in their lives. So the Spirit was present first, and then tongues of fire come down to rest on them as if to say something transforming is happening. That's all I need about that. Just want to give you that visual because I know you're thinking, what did that look like? Well, it looked just like that. So then here comes this weird part about the languages. So these Galileans, these by and large uneducated people, start different languages and people hear their own languages from all the places they've come to that Scripture lists. It is quite the opposite of Genesis 11, that Tower of Babel, where if you remember, they were building that tower up to God, and God struck them with different languages so they could not communicate. Here it is quite the opposite. They are all speaking different languages that they don't know how to speak. That is God's spirit. That is God's tongues of fire resting on them. That's allowing them to do that. All these different languages are present, but everyone hears the same thing. So it is going from all these separate pieces into one word about God's deeds and power. That is amazing. And so afterwards, as they're going through this, they, we end this part of our passage and they say, what in the world does this mean? Ah, they must be drunk. It's only nine o'clock. Must be filled with new wine. And then immediately following, Peter then says, no, no, no. It has nothing to do with wine. It has everything to do with the risen Christ. It has everything to do with the prophecies we've been told through Joel and what had just happened in the event, resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ. And now what we are being called to do. It is a fantastic passage. Today is that celebration of the Holy Spirit, and we need not fear the Holy Spirit. I had a friend at my last church that every time we started to bring out the red banners and the colors and the flames, she would become frightened and stop coming until we were through Pentecost. Because as a child, she had had a negative Christian experience focused on the Holy Spirit that was threatening, abusive, and negative to her. That is not what God's Holy Spirit is or is about. As we spoke some last week, the role of the Holy Spirit is to be God's presence, to be the presence of the resurrected Christ in our world from this day that we celebrate it at the first Pentecost up until today and up until Christ comes again at the second coming. So the Holy Spirit is God's presence. Well, what does it do? 
It is our guide. It is our advocate. It is the one who comforts us, our comforter. It teaches us. It helps us to remember. It walks with us. It fills us. It dwells within us. It gives us gifts like the ones Connie read from that 1 Corinthians passage so that we can go into the world to be Christ-risen people of fire and faith and love and justice and compassion so that all would know through the prompting of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts us when we have gone astray. The Spirit pushes us out of our comfort zone to be the people that we know we are longing to be. That's all good. And we thank God for the gift of the Holy Spirit this and every day. So I only have a few quick minutes, so I'm going to hit you quick. Here we go. Number one. And remember, this is in a sense of graduation because for our graduates out there, we love you. You guys are amazing. Congratulations. You are getting ready to go and continue your journey on the life that has been laid out for you. And I want you to look at Pentecost as a graduation of sorts. Let this be your special graduation story for a while in your hearts, in your lives. Let it guide you and lead you. Because if you look from a bird's eye view, the disciples graduated today also. They had been with Jesus, their rabbi, whom they call teacher, their professor. And Jesus had taught them through word. They had studied scripture together. Through prayer, they had prayed together. They experienced life with Christ. And they watched him teach. They watched him heal. They watched him do miraculous deeds of power. And he lived with them. So it was their head and their hearts. It was them thinking analytically about their faith. It was the study of scripture. And it was their experience of Christ in their lives. They did that for three years, and now Christ has ascended. The Spirit comes down to now drive them out, as if to say, you have learned all you need, and it is time, friends. Happy graduation to the disciples' class of 2020. You are now being called to go into the world and share what you have learned to do amazing and miraculous things. They are graduating today just like y'all are. So the first thing I want you to think about is find a community of faith, graduates, when you get to your next port of call, your next stop. If you are a high school graduate, I believe the three that we'll recognize are going to college. Whether you are or not, your life will change a little bit. You still will be learning. You'll still be going to school. You still have homework, papers, tests, but the environment will change. And a lot of that is exciting and fun but a lot of that will be challenging. When the Holy Spirit calls the disciples out, he doesn't say, yay, it's gonna be a heavenly retreat from this day forward. No, their lives were harder because they followed Christ and because they used the gifts that God called them. So my first bit of advice is to find a community of faith. It may look different than the one, this one that you grew up in, but find a community of faith. Let this be the time because some will say to you, your faith is ridiculous. You are dumb. You are a fool because you believe. Don't 
you listen. Seek those who wish to be in open dialogue and discussion and have conversation. Don't go at the world in judgment. Don't go at the world to say, we are superior and you are inferior because your belief is different than mine. Share why you believe in the experiences you have had. That's your call. Find a faith community. You cannot do it on your own. And that goes for everyone out there. If you noticed, our scripture begins with the phrase, they were together in one place. God didn't go to each disciple as they were in the shower or having breakfast or taking a walk in the morning. The Spirit came to them when they were all together in one place, which speaks to us of the importance of our faith communities, all of them. We have overemphasized, I believe, this personal relationship with Christ because I don't think you can have the personal relationship without, with Christ without the community of faith being together and unified with them. Or it becomes shallow as simple as a, well, yes, I believe I'm in, and you never move from that point forward. The community faith is essential. Find a community of faith, whatever form, whatever shape, and live your life as a faithful witness in appropriate and helpful ways. Number two, you are missionaries, just like those original missionaries were called out from where they were to take their gifts that the Spirit empowered them. Remember, they were confused after the resurrection. They didn't get it. Forty days after, even at the ascension, they still didn't get it. But now, with the giving of the Spirit, it has empowered them. It has emboldened them and told them what lives of faith can look like and what lives we want to transform in the world. So they are being called, so too are you, dear friends, graduates, to go into the world to the places that God is calling you, whether it's a school or a job, or even staying relatively close to home. It's still going to be a new community and existence. And you are missionaries in God's world. You have been given everything that you need, so have we all. This isn't just for the graduates. We are all missionaries in this world because the Holy Spirit is sending them out to that long list of places that I'm 73% sure I said correctly. All of those places, it means we are to go out and live God's Holy Spirit Pentecostal life. Three, what would it feel like to be on fire for Christ? What would it feel like for church to be on fire? So often we get into a ho-hum. Our weekly existence is, well, what's the church got this week? We look at our menus of offerings and, well, we'll do this and we'll do that. Okay, and we'll do worship and we'll call it a day. And great things happen through those programmings. And we do feel the presence of Christ through gathering and through what we do at church. But when we have become a program people instead of a Holy Spirit people, when we have become a check-off-the-box people instead of God filling us with the fire of the Holy Spirit to then go into the world, then we are missing what our call as a church and as Christians is. What would it be like? We all say we want it to be on fire for Christ, but we're often unwilling to give up our control. We're often willing to not to give up 
our degree of trust to God. But oh, how things could be different. Oh, how things, I believe, were designed to be different. We are in, in essence, a cocoon because of this virus event. How will we emerge whenever it is that we emerge? Will we stay caterpillars or will we spread our Holy Spirit wings and fly? That is up to us. Do we want to stay the same? Do we want to keep things the same? Or can we sprout and be on fire? God's Holy Spirit fire that will change our lives as individuals, a church, a community, a nation, and a world. That is our calling today. Be on fire, graduates, for your new existence, your new community, your new setting, your placement. Be bold, be people of faith, and don't apologize for what you believe and have experienced. Rather, live it. Let others see it. Again, not in a judgmental or a superior way that seems like you're looking down on others, but to say, yeah, this is what I believe. You can say what you want. This is why I believe, and it is my experience. And you can't take that away. It's true for all of us in the world. We need to live as people on fire. Because you know what? The world is hungry, hungry and needs us. That Holy Spirit fire isn't just happy, yay, let's go into the world and join hands and do some cheers together. It speaks of justice as well. We have all seen the depths of humanity as we have seen the George Floyd story, just awful and disgraceful. A man's life taken away unnecessarily and unjustly. Of course, he wasn't a saint, but that doesn't mean that they have the right to kill him. It is our Holy Spirit calling that tells us to live what we believe. It is our Holy Spirit's calling that says we have been filled with the gifts of God to go into the world, to right the wrongs, to free the oppressed, to help the voices heard that have been silenced. No better and more isolated moment than this awful case. We have also seen the amazing heights of humanity in the SpaceX launch. A new height for humankind, a new United States venture. We haven't been since 2011, I believe, between government, NASA, and private SpaceX, a new enterprise, a new tomorrow dawns, and it gives us some sense of what we can do when we unite ourselves, we can reach great heights. The reality is, friends, that we live with both of those tensions. There are always horrible acts of injustice, and there are always amazing gifts of hope and celebration that fill our lives. But it is ironic on this day where we talk about being filled with God's breath and taking a stand for God, that the last two phrases George Floyd said were, I can't breathe. And please let me stand. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us 
for God's breath to fill us for this man whose breath was choked out of him. And we need to stand for those in our world that we are being called to stand for, for those who cannot stand or who are not able to stand. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, and they must see it in you. They must sense it in you. They must hear it, see it, and feel it in you. So I will close with this poem from William Blake, a poem about Pentecost, and part of this poem says, unless the eye catch fire, God will not be seen. Unless the ear catch fire, God will not be heard. Unless the tongue catch fire, God will not be named. Unless the heart catch fire, God will not be loved. Unless the mind catch fire, God will not be known. So go out, friends, all of us, not just our graduates, but especially our graduates. Find a community of faith and be connected and be filled. Realize that you are missionaries wherever you go with gifts from the Holy Spirit and live as people who are filled with God's Holy Spirit fire to take your joy, to take your love, to take your boldness, to take your stands, to take the breath of God into the world so that Christ may heal it through you, through me, and through all of us. Let every day be Pentecost. Alleluia. Amen.